I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, everybody. We have news right away. So, all right, of course, welcome back to the show. It's just me this week. Uh, Taryn will be back with us end of the week. Well, I'm going to have a special guest. We're talking about an upcoming documentary. It's going to be great. Anyway, um, we have World Series champion, of course, the Houston Astros. Congratulations. Uh, the Philadelphia Phillies, you know what? I, I know Mets fans don't want to hear this. They earned their spot. As National League champions, they made a hell of a run. Did they finish low in the standings? Did they, you know, yes, of course they did. Expanded playoffs allowed them in, but they got hot. They beat really good teams, and they, you know, they had their opportunities. I'm still wondering what Kyle Schwarber was doing laying down a bunt in the biggest game of the year. Um, Very much wondering what. Uh, why Zach Wheeler came out of that game. I know Phillies manager Rob Thompson explained his his rationale. And, and, and you know, Alvarado was terrific. He, he didn't allow an earned run in September. But as soon as the postseason started, he wasn't the same. He was shaky. He had good outings, but he, I think he allowed two runs three times. And otherwise, he, he was, you know, pretty much on point. But still, if you got Zach Wheeler going, and I know – I don't have the numbers here, but I know he was at 51 pitches through four and 30, 37 of those pitches were strikes. I mean, he was just, he was cruising and that's a really, really talented team. Um, you know, Alvarez, who was not having a great world series, of course, when he connects, forget it. He's, you know, a game changer. We'll talk about that in a second, but um, you, you just, if it's me, Zach Wheeler fandom aside, I think I still let Zach Wheeler get out of that himself. Um, you know, he was arguably coming off an injury. I know that there was whispers of that. And then, oh, no, everybody's healthy. But he was pushed back a few times. Why you would push your, you know, arguable ace back. A- anyway, that's neither here nor there at this point. But, you know, <laughs> it could change the World Series. But Jordan Alvarez, oh my goodness. Uh, so that home run traveled 450 feet. It was, oh, I believe 112 and change off the bat. I'm sitting downstairs. I'm watching the game with my wife. And I stood up. I, I said, that, you know, where you, where that ball landed is, is not where you expect to see that ball land. You know, you could tell right off the bat it was a home run, but... You know, you're expecting it to hit off that that tall batter's eye, and it landed. It landed above that batter's eye, and that's just incredible. Um, you know, the Astros fans exploded. Uh, you, you almost felt the air come out of the the Phillies dugout. And um, again, you know, they had a great run. That's a a just a phenomenal offense. Uh, you know, you had. 
you have pieces around that pitching staff, and that's going to be another bona fide contender in the NL East for at least a few years to come. I mean, you still have multiple years of Wheeler, Nola, um, most of that offense. You know, there's going to be plenty to go around there. And if they, you know, coming off the momentum that they just put together and an owner who is, you know, absolutely willing to spend, especially now you have to expect them to go uh, full bore, try and make this happen again for them. It's going to really put a lot on the Mets plate. Um, you look at what they've done <laughs> just in the, you know, I guess what, 24, 48 or so hours since uh, the World Series has ended. Uh, they've already locked up uh, Edwin Diaz. We got that news, oh, I don't know, around 5.30 p.m. on Sunday night, which was um, not not terribly surprising. I know our buddy Mike Mayer over at Mets Marais, uh had this pegged probably middle of October that the Mets were going to try to get this done quick. And, you know, that's about as, as beneficial as it gets from the New York Mets standpoint. I mean, you can – anytime you can cross one of your most pressing off-season tasks off that list, uh, you know, about as early as you could possibly do it, you know, that that's extremely beneficial. And for Diaz, you know, coming in at five years, $102 million, which is the largest contract for any relief pitcher in Major League history, both by total value and by – AAV, average annual uh, salary, um, you know, just a, a, a historic personal achievement. Um, this works out well for everybody, not necessarily for everybody. <laughs> Keith, uh, Keith Law of The Athletic, who, who, you know, Keith's a terrific, terrific baseball writer. I enjoy his work. Um, he was, he is uh, quite critical of this deal and he makes some solid points. I mean, when you're looking at long-term deals for relievers, historically, and this isn't just Keith's opinion, this is statistical facts, it hasn't really gone well. Um, you know, you look at Craig Kimbrell, uh, you look at Greg Holland, you look at Kenley Jansen, and these are all being rattled off from, from Law's article. Um, I rolled this Chapman, Andrew Miller. You know, these guys, I guess, hey, these are... The five pitchers since 2000 that have thrown at least 50 innings in a season with a sub a sub 2.5 fielding independent fielding independent independent pitching rating. My goodness, we're just going to say 2.5 FIP FIP uh, in four or five consecutive years. And those are the guys I just rattled off. Um, you know, after those points, guys have fallen off tremendously. Diaz last season had a 0.90 FIP, led the majors, uh, led relievers by far, led all, all pitchers in the majors by far. His called strike whiff, whiff rate, which was 42.1, also led every pitcher in the majors. Didn't matter if you were a starter or reliever, as long as you had 20 innings pitched, Edwin Diaz outpaced you in called strike and whiff rate. Uh, I believe he struck out over 50% of it, the batters that he faced this year. He, he earned this contract, and he's 28 years old. I believe he's – oh, I don't know if he's going into the season at 29, but he's currently 28. Um, five seasons, you're getting him into his, his 34-year-old season, I believe. Yeah, it'll be his 30 
I believe that it's the case. It doesn't matter. 33, 34, whatever. You're getting a guy through his prime years who's always had raw ability, The raw, you know, some of the rawest ability that we've seen in the major leagues. You know, 2018, he was basically still a, you know, wet behind the ears kid. He had a, a, a nice start to his seat, to his major league career. His first two seasons in Seattle, 2016, 2017, I think he combined for 3.0 something ERA, 3.06. You know, the next year he just exploded in uh, in Seattle and and became, you know, the guy that, you know, moved him over to, to, to New York. He had, what, 1.96 ERA in 2018? Just incredible. And it was. It was a 3.06 ERA over his first two seasons. You know, comes to New York. All of this pressure, and you know, of course, Robinson Cano was the 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 centerpiece of that deal uh, at the time. Centerpiece being the, the most expensive part, but you know, the value was coming from Edwin Diaz at the time. Of course, the Mets given up Jared Kelenic and just a, 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 a half a roster of or a quarter roster of players to send over to uh, to Seattle to get Robinson Cano, who was, you know, coming off of his first suspension, really expensive, and and Edwin Diaz, who at the time was, you know, of course, potential through the roof, but unproven. And, and those, you know, those doubts really did come to fruition in 2019, uh, Diaz's first year. And forget about Cano. Cano never reached the heights that... The, the front office that traded for him hoped he would. Uh, he, of course, hit the, um, uh, the, the the PED, the second PED suspension, and, you know, his career just quietly kind of whittled and died from there. But, um, again, with Diaz, he comes here in 2019. He pitches to a five-point – oh, I have the number here. Hold on. 5.59 ERA in 2019. He allowed 15 home runs, which was, I believe, sixth most in the majors for a reliever. Um, I believe it was led 18 was the uh, was the leader for uh, any pitcher who pitched as a reliever. But, you know, considering that at the time, Kellenic, his stock was still through the roof, and Diaz was, uh, of course, you know, what most fans at the time were, were really hoping for to blossom – you know, this was a huge, huge letdown. Um, and it's not that his stuff was terrible. He was still throwing that four-seam slider combination. It was the same stuff that got him through his first few years. He never really wavered from that. Um, but it was – it wasn't – I said it on the at the Apple, just, you know, quick breaking news bit, which actually felt really good to write. But anyway, it, it almost – it felt like it wasn't refined. And we've said this on the show before, you know, Diaz's four seam, which moves like a two seam, you know, it, it was drifting into the heart of the plate. His slider, of course, deadly. But if you have a fastball that's going to, you know, bleed into very, very hot zones for hitters, they don't care about the slider. They're just going to wait on that fastball. What Diaz has been able to do, of course, um, you know, between just his growth as a pitcher and what Jeremy Hefner and the Mets staff has been able to do to to kind of foster that growth, he's turned into a guy who's not only, you know, found his stuff as a pitcher, not just a flamethrower, 
Um, he knows when to go to what. He knows what guy. You know, he. You can see him becoming a. a I know he's twenty eight, but you can see him be developing those veteran pitcher traits of just. You know whether it's a shake off, whether it's a, a, a you take a take a little bit off the fastball, you know start it, you know just you know go up the ladder as, as you might say throughout an at bat. Whatever the case may be, he's doing this and he's doing it with confidence. I think he said it way way earlier in the season. Um, I think Gelbs asked him about about his slider. He said, "Oh, that's nasty," and boy, that you know. Not only was the it was hearing Edwin Diaz speak in English awesome because you know maybe the, I, I guess his first few years here maybe we heard it once or twice but mostly his interviews were done in Spanish through a translator. Uh, our buddy Alan Surio, who I saw at uh, during the Wild Card series. What's up, Alan? Um, and you know you heard uh, you almost heard the confidence in his voice just grow and grow and grow and as his season became more and more magical and more and more unbelievable and you know he's just doing these amazing things you felt it come together for him as a pitcher and you knew that he was going to head into this free agency head into this offseason as you know the 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 Top of the of the list for for relief pitchers, arguably around the top of the list for all free agents. And yeah, you know, as noted, the Mets and Diaz were both very interested in making this work again. And and you know, look at everything that happened last year with Timmy Trumpets and the way the fans have embraced Diaz since you know over the the course of his journey here from 2019 all the way up. Um, you know, this is a guy who was a lightning rod for fans. And, and he took the brunt of it. And he just kept on growing. He kept on moving. Kept on getting better. And, you know, look at him now. Just from a fan's perspective, that's amazing. That This is, you know, at least personally, this is what I sign up for as a fan. Like, becoming fans of players, not just a fan of a team. Which you guys can all relate to. I, I took some heat for it because I'm fans of players from all teams. I might dislike the team, but I still like the player. I'm just able to do that. And that's not a knock on anybody else. I guess I'm the weird one, but whatever. <laughs> um, you, you just, you're able to see the, the course that these guys take to bring them to, uh, you know, on what you may have thought were unreachable heights. I mean, you know, look at look at Trey Mancini, and this is a much wider ranging, you know, scope. But Trey Mancini spends his career, or the, the you know the, the early portion of his career in Baltimore, which is a passionate, passionate fan base, but just a downtrodden organization. And, and he's like the beacon of this organization, and he goes through some just personal terrible adverse um adversity and you know he he emotionally very emotionally uh leaves baltimore goes to houston and you know now he comes out a, a world series champion i mean you know these are the journeys that we watch i mean you look at edwin diaz you know he hasn't had maybe you know the, the, those those health that uh the the health adversity but 
Um, and it's incomparable, of course, but looking at where Edwin Diaz was and where Edwin Diaz is now, tonight, I'm recording this at 7, 7 p.m. I'm watching the very short 4 p.m. NFL slate, putting two games on, and there's, you know, this is after the World Series. Man, they should be cooking right now. Anyway, you know, just the the full spectrum of Edwin Diaz coming here to New York under the the conditions that he did after the first year that he had here and the trajectory that he's been on since. And, and now he's the highest paid reliever in the history of baseball. It's, it's nothing short of amazing. It's, it's what you write movie scripts about. Well, not about, but you, you add it in there. That's the sort of crescendo that, you know, what are these athletes working for? You work for a World Series title or a championship in your respective sport and 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 securing that almighty bag, man. I mean, at the end of the day, this is work for athletes. This is, you're, you're going to work. You're, you're doing your job. Who doesn't want to reach the pinnacle of their chosen profession? That's what Edwin Diaz just did. Is he Mariano Rivera? No. There, there's never going to be another Mariano Rivera. But the course that he's charting right now, Diaz, what he can be in one year, two years, five years, can keep up with what you would call the greatest relievers to ever play the game. You can't tab anything to him now. You really can't say, oh, historically it hasn't worked out. Well, because historically no one's really done what Edwin Diaz has been able to do. Um, of course, guys have had incredible seasons, and and longevity in relievers is is fine. I mean, look at Josh Hader for all his other issues, the off field stuff, and and whatever on the field. I mean, save for a couple of ups and downs, and I don't think anyone's immune from that. He's been incredible, going on multiple seasons. You know, guys are never they're not machines. They're they're always going to have to you know either lose their way, find their way, whatever the case is. But the trick is getting it back into, well, one, staying healthy, and two, getting back on track when things do go off the rails. And, you know, that's all. That's the sign of greatness. And I think Diaz has been able to do that, and he's been able to do it in such a dramatic, substantial way considering the the derailment that he had to go through under the microscope that he did it. And it's just, uh, it's very cool to see, very well deserved. Personally, I'm happy with the deal. I think $20 million plus a year uh, for a reliever is, is a little bit um, scary, but, you know, these are the new Mets. These are the new New York Mets. These Mets, you know, hopefully that, uh, that'll catch on in another <laughs> in another fashion because boy it kind of fell on its face during the postseason this year but whatever the case may be um big news to start the offseason we're going to take a very quick break it's going to be a really quick episode again just me talking some uh talking my stuff and uh yeah hang tight we'll be right back i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. 
That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And we're back. And again, it's it's just me right now. And uh, as we said, Taryn will be back later in the week. He's been doing his work thing. He just did his bar exam. I couldn't imagine the, uh, the, uh, the size of the plate and the amount of, uh, I guess, uh, we'll we'll call it food, just the amount of stuff on his plate right now getting into that world. But, um, you know, it's, it is what it is. I think everything's picking up now with the world series over with the Mets already diving into, to their off season business, which as we said in the first half, um, you know, checking Edwin Diaz off that list in the, quick order that they did that's huge that's it's it's great um i don't know i believe this will put the mets at around 250 million on the payroll tax um uh excuse me the uh the competitive balance tax payroll i believe around 250 million you got to check roster resource at fangraphs they're uh, they're unbelievable. They they probably already have it updated, but I just don't have it pulled up. Um, you know the Mets do still have a lot of decisions. We talked about it last week. We talked about it probably the episode before that. There's a lot to worry about, but again, you know, getting such a tremendous decision or, or just task off the list right away that that you know that brings up a a lot of it brings up a lot of other questions in, I guess, more, uh, it brings up everything else in, in a much clearer order. You know, of course, you want to go ahead and tackle Jacob deGrom. Of course, you want to go ahead and, you know, uh, uh, Chris, Bassett, or Chris Bassett, of course, has already uh, opted out. You know, you, you have all of these um, internal options. You have, I'm sure, a just a punch list of stuff that these teams that, that the Mets want to accomplish before, um, you know, the offseason really kicks off. You have winter meetings, GM meetings all coming up over the course of the next few, uh, I guess, six weeks, eight weeks. Um, you know, they, there's a lot to talk about. There's going to be a lot coming across the table. Dan Vogelback already coming back for $1.5 That's a, a big thing, but it's only just a, a start. I mean, 
the 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 level of quality depth that the Mets were able to put together last year was great. Clearly, they didn't. I don't want to say they didn't hit their mark on every spot. Well, I guess that's that could that's probably true. They didn't hit the marks they should have in certain areas, but I think their heads and their wallets were in the right place as far as hey, we're gonna put together a team that's you know not only built to win financially but talent wise. Um, and, you know, as we just said, they certainly did miss spots there, but that's what the offseason's for now. They're going to go ahead and make the necessary adjustments. And I think getting to things early and, of course, like we said, locking up Diaz, and I'm sure they're going to be testing the water, seeing where Jacob DeGrom's head's at. And I wouldn't be surprised if DeGrom's going to go out and, 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 and you know, kind of talk to other teams and, I expect him to fully go out and get his full worth. I do expect him to come back to the Mets, but I expect him to come back to the Mets with a very hefty offer from somebody else. And the Mets are going to have to match that because, you know, at the time when Jacob DeGrom signed his contract, it wasn't necessarily a below market deal. But shortly thereafter, I mean, Garrett Cole and and even, you know, when a, a pitcher like Zach Wheeler signs the deal that he did and... You know, you look at where Jacob deGrom is or was and is and has been, and you say, wow, I mean, (laughs) Jacob deGrom probably deserved a lot more money. But, you know, at the time, it was what it was. It's a lot of deferred money as well because it was under the last regime, and Jacob deGrom wants to get paid. There's nothing wrong with that. Jacob deGrom's going to get paid. So, you know, the Mets, I'm sure, have a prioritized list of what they want to do and where they want to take things and that's perfectly fine and 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 just to kind of reiterate that point knocking Diaz out of the way as early as they possibly can I mean that's just um a big huge win for the Mets and for Diaz he seems happy here he seems like he's absolutely on top of his game so um What's next? I mean, you know, of course, once the World Series ended, you had uh, pretty much the Mets' entire list of free agents hit the uh, hit the list. Um, Diaz, of course, <laughs> on the list, right off the list. But Brandon Nimmo, who's we talked about him at length last episode, and you have to kind of. Um, by the way, that was a great episode with Rich McLeod at Just Mets. I hope you guys are following along. I know. Everyone's taking their off-season breaks, but everyone's going to be, you know, back in uh, in full swing now that the Mets are are kicking into their uh, their winter gear. And uh, yeah, certainly check out our friends over at Just Mets. It's Michael Barron, it's uh, Linda Servich, uh, Rich McLeod, and my apologies. I know I'm missing maybe two people, but um, yeah. My idea that was completely off the cuff, but it really was a good time with Rich. I hope to have him back. And anyway, so Nimmo and Jacob Degrom, of course, once he opts out, uh, I I don't believe that is official just yet, but certainly coming. Um, Jacob Degrom, uh, excuse me, Brandon Nimmo, Adam Adovino, Seth Lugo, Trevor May, Joely Rodriguez, and Tommy Hunter. Tommy Hunter has expressed his desire to come back. 
I think that would be a really, really nice depth piece. Whenever he's called on, he was good. Um, when he came back from injury this year, he was great. Speaking of coming back from injury this year, Trevor May was more than serviceable. Trevor May, I be- believe he was here two years, 15.5 million or something along those lines. Yeah, two years, 15.5 million. Um, injuries cut him down. And again, under the microscope of New York, the bad is certainly a lot more accentuated than the good. But boy, I mean, Trevor May had stretches where he was just outstanding. And outside of the injuries this season, which, I mean, if you follow him on Twitter, if you listen to him on Twitch during his live streams, I mean, this is a guy who was just absolutely beaten down by the process. We talked to him at the Apple. Um, We had an article up where, you know, not being there, you're just kind of forced to let the process play out and make sure that you're at your best when you're ready. And he comes back and he's just, he was ready. And he, he did all he could. I think there was some rust that shook off there in the beginning, but boy, down the stretch, he was, um, you know, what you were looking for. I think once he proved he was ready for more, uh, more leveraged spots, he even, he handled those well. And, you know, just down the stretch, we talked about in the last episode, everything was just kind of funky down the stretch for that team. And, uh, you know, and you know, I don't want to put it on players, but you know, the vibe itself, I guess. Anyway, Trevor May was fine. I would bring him back if he gets, you know, a really nice deal elsewhere. You can't knock him for it. And you probably couldn't even knock the Mets for, for not going over what they deem as, as, you know, this is probably our ceiling here. I would like to see them at least, you know, poke around and see what the story is. But, you know, maybe Trevor May's ready to move on. Who knows? May, you know, Trevor May's a friend of the pod. Maybe we'll have to talk to Trevor May. Maybe we'll just have to ask him. But we'll, we'll get to that. It's a long, long offseason, guys. Um, you know, and I mean, outside of that, the Mets really do have – decisions. Adam Adovino, we talked about how important he was to the bullpen last year. You have to think he has to be in the Mets plans moving forward. Seth Lugo, if you heard him talk about uh, uh, his future during the, uh, I guess, once the Mets season ended, uh, he was quite emotional about it, and you get the sense that he's probably on his way. So, you know, all the best to him. He was incredible here. But if he does make his way back, I do feel like there's a place for him in this bullpen. But um, Joelli, I mean, such <laughs> those opposite splits, they threw all of us for a loop. But once we knew how the Mets were using him, once we understood how the Mets were using him, and, and once he, you know, his value became evident, which was over the, you know, the latter part of the second half, um, you know, for the, few million it might cost to keep him here, even just on a one-year deal, what would it be? Three, four million, five million? You know, arbitration money. He's 31, I want to say, something like that. It wouldn't be a lot. I mean, again, this is a guy that if he gets a better deal elsewhere, cool. If he's willing to come back here on money that everyone agrees with and gives the Mets breathing room to do everything else they have to do, absolutely, I will have... Trevor May and Joely Rodriguez and Tommy Hunter and Adam Adovino. Adam Adovino, he's going to get 
He's really he's gonna get elite reliever money because he was a an elite reliever last year. And I do hope the Mets kick in a little extra to keep him around. I think that will be valuable. But um as far as Lugo, May, Joelli, Hunter, you know, I think these guys will fit, but they've gotta fit at the um you know, at the numbers that make sense for the Mets to continue to make upgrades. Um, there's a priority, you know, there's a prioritized list of those guys of, you know, who the Mets should be willing to go a little bit further to keep in the mix. And I think everyone might have their merits, but, you know, do you, yeah, you just have to kind of play it cool and see where it goes. Personally, I, I would like to see Nimmo back, but I'm not sure if he comes back. I think that Colorado would suit him really well, whether it be the spacious outfield, whether it be the extra pop on his bat, um, I, humid or not, it's still there. It's still a thing, absolutely. Being close to home, um, I think that that would be an absolutely perfect spot for him. But I, I could also see him, you know, becoming a, a fixture in the outfields in Seattle. Uh, I know Jesse Winkler, um, Jesse Winker. Um, unfollowed the Mariners and the organization and all that stuff uh, on his social medias this week. So maybe there will be another hole out there. And, you know, they still have a lot of faith in Kalanick and Julio Rodriguez is a stud. And they still have Taylor Trammell. They still have a lot of really, really talented pieces. But, you know, if Hanniger's on his way out, Brandon Nimmo is like a, you know, a solid upgrade from Mitch Hanniger. And, you know, maybe um, maybe he fits out there. I think there might be a few teams that will be interested in Nemo, but I just, you know, I don't see him fetching superstar money. I still peg him at maybe he gets $20 million a year. I, $20 million is probably fair. I, I'm still worried that the, the fact that he's only played 100 games in his career twice, but, uh, you know, when he's on the field, he's just such a difference maker. Um, gets on base, scores runs, plays the field very well. You know, you really can't complain except for the durability. But if he's going to stay healthy, you know, give me that three, four years. I don't know. What did Marte get? Marte got uh, four years, 78. Give him 475, see if he sticks around with Boris as, a, as his agent. It's not going to happen, but give it a shot. Who's, we'll see. Ah, we'll, we'll be going over these things. We'll have trade talk. We'll have all these things. Again, Taryn's back this week. We both had little uh, conversations via text, via DM. Yeah, I think he's in somewhere in the Midwest or something. He's not in, He's not at home right now. Of course, he's in the, he's in the Midwest. He lives in Minnesota, but... He's traveling somewhere. He'll have to tell us all about that. Otherwise, um, yeah, we're going to be back. We're going to be pumping out content at the Apple. We're going to be probably here once a week through the offseason, maybe twice if things come up. But, um, yeah, otherwise, we're cooking. Oh, we're going to be represented at the uh, Queens Baseball Convention once again. That's going to be in Flushing in December. Uh, our buddy Mark Healy at the Rockaway Wave uh, was kind enough to uh, ask me back onto the State of the Mets panel, which I believe is leading off the show. Uh, it 
not sure exactly what time that is, but we are uh, we're leading off the day, and there'll be festivities through the uh, afternoon and probably well into the early evening. And uh, it was such a great time last year. You guys should definitely get your tickets, make your uh, arrangements to get there. And it's in Flushing. It should be a really, really cool scene. And, yeah, right now I know it's myself, uh, Tim Healy from Newsday, Eric Sherman, who wrote a really, really great book on the 86 right? He's wrote a few books, but <clears throat> excuse me, his most recent book on the 86 Red Sox was terrific. Um, yeah, I, I, it, you know, I think there's going to be a different vibe around this team. You know, last year it was excitement, but you really didn't know what to expect. This year it's, we know what to expect. This last, you know, this team won 101 games last year. They fell flat on their face after doing it. And I know I'm ready for them to take it to the next level. I, I'm. You have to expect that the team is ready to do that too. But again, we're going to get into all that throughout the winter. Taryn's back next week. Otherwise, you guys know the sign-off. Let's fucking go Mets, and we'll see you next time. Peace.